So far this evening, we have heard about Joseph, we have heard about Mary, we have heard about angels and their announcements to shepherds. And as you hear all of these events and you hear these stories, you may have pictures that come to mind. This evening, I'd like to actually show you a few pictures. We're going to look at five pictures this evening that hopefully will help us to anchor the story of Christmas in our minds and in our hearts this evening. If you cannot see where that screen is, you may want to move <laughs> to where you can, but I hope you can see it. These pictures actually come from uh, the trip my wife and I took about six months ago to the Holy Land. We went to Bethlehem. You heard that we've been singing a lot about Bethlehem tonight. And going there, there's actually the Church of the Nativity. And there are a few things about it as you come in and as you go through and as you leave that I think will help us uh, in our thinking through this story. And we will be looking primarily also at what uh, Bobby Helmers just read for us in Luke chapter 2 of the angels appearing to shepherds. Not, not to those who are the highest and most powerful, but to the shepherds. This is the first picture. It has to do with how we approach Christmas. You still not hear me? Maybe that will help a little bit. Maybe I'll just yell at you. Okay, try that. This is the first picture. This is how you enter uh, the Church of the Nativity. This is uh, symbolic of how we have to approach Christmas. It's how we have to approach every part of the Christian life. This is called the Door of Humility. It is called the Door of Humility because you have to bow to enter. You don't just get to walk in on your own terms. You have to lower yourself and come in in a state of humility. This is really the one uh, requirement of Christianity. Humility. It goes through everything else, every other part of Christianity. And we might say, well, why is it that humility is, uh, is the requirement? Why is it that we have to bow? Why is it we have to lower ourselves? I'll answer that two ways. First of all, if you look at what Christmas is all about, it's about the one who had everything and completely lowered himself for us. So we can't forget that, that he went first. But secondly, we sang a couple songs already talking about this newborn king. And of course, if this is the king, then that means there is a kingdom. This is when Jesus goes around uh, preaching the good news. You know what he's preaching? He's preaching that the kingdom of God has come near. This kingdom, with Jesus as this newborn king, is what it's all about. Those who will not bow to the king don't get to be citizens of the kingdom. And when you look at it from that perspective, it makes sense why you have to enter with humility. Anyone who stands outside and says, I'm going to come in on my own terms, I'm going to live how I want to live, I'm going to do things the way I want to do, and you can't tell me how to live or what to, what to do, you don't get to come in. But it's as soon as you say, I recognize that you are the king and I bow to you, then welcome, come on in. And everything else, everything else will get taken care of. But that's the one thing we have to do is bow as we approach. Uh, the second, look at that, 
You have no idea what you're looking at, do you? That's all right, I'll tell you. This is as we were in the Church of the Nativity. There's a small door down there, and it sort of funnels through, and everyone just gets pressed together. And it's crowded, and there's kind of this jostling and shoving as everybody's trying to get to see the place where Jesus was born. That's why we're all there. That's why we're all coming to see. Um, But what's fascinating about this is that is not just a group of a bunch of Americans. This is people from all over the world who have come to Bethlehem to see this spot. There were plenty of Russians. There were plenty of uh, people from France. There were uh, Americans. um, People from everywhere. Listen. The angel said to them, to the shepherds, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. For all the people. Do you hear that? We have so Americanized our celebrations of Christmas that often what we mean when we talk about celebrating Christmas is somehow returning to a nostalgia of the 1950s America. That has nothing to do with the message of Christmas. Any Christmas celebration that does not include everyone, that does not say this is, that would not be good news for the whole world, may be off track. So, part one, we need to approach with humility. Part two is we need to gather together with other people, those even who may not be like us in a whole lot of ways. So if you're looking around the room tonight and you're thinking there are people here, you're like, I don't know about them. Good! <laughs> Recognize this is good news. The birth of Jesus is good news for you, but it's also good news for them. Because in Jesus, there is no more us and them. He says, Paul tells us, there's no longer male nor female, slave or free, uh, Jew or Gentile, but we are all one in Christ Jesus. So as we approach, we approach together. We gather together the good news for the whole world. Third picture. All right. You may have seen this one before. This is pretty famous. This is what everybody's coming to see. That is the floor of the church. It's down in the basement. There's a, there's a hole cut in the floor. And in that hole is the ground. And you can reach in and touch the ground. And that's what everybody's lining up and filing past to do. Why? Because this is the traditional spot. This is the place where Jesus was born. That's what everybody wants to come see. Now, is that the actual place where Jesus was born? I don't know. But why I show this picture is because there is a place where Jesus was born. And this helps us to remember that, that this is not just some fairy tale that we tell to make ourselves feel better, that this is something, this is an actual event that has happened in real time and real space. This is a part of our history that, of course, has huge ramifications for the future, and as well as the present. But this is something that really happened, as uh, Galatians 4 puts it, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. This was a time. This was a place. This is what happened. Or as the angel said to the shepherds, The good news will cause great joy for all the people. Today, there's the time, in the town of David, there's the place, a Savior has been born to you. We need to remember this is an actual event, but 
the actual spot itself, less important than what it means. This is a plaque that was on the wall. Our tour guide that we had there said that people often ask him, is this the actual place where Jesus was born? And he said, for me, that's not so important. For me, what is important is that somewhere on this earth, somewhere in that town of Bethlehem, the Word became flesh. I love that. That's how he put it. He didn't say, this is where Jesus was born. He said, this is where the Word became flesh. He didn't make up that way of saying it. That's how John describes it in chapter 1 of his Gospel. I thought I had all my pages marked, but I just had most of them. John says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh. He's already described him as in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. When we consider the event of Christmas, when we consider that this was the day that Jesus was born, do we stop long enough to consider what that means? The meaning of the word becoming flesh. In that uh, room I showed you earlier, it's a very small room. And there are a lot of people there. But there was a moment as everybody's filing by to put their hand in there and touch the ground as though somehow something magical is going to happen to them. And everybody's coming by to touch the spot. I just stepped back and found a corner where there wasn't anybody just to take some time to marvel and wonder at what it means for the Word to become flesh, the eternal Word to take on flesh. And that moment I ceased to be a tourist and became a worshiper. Do not go through Christmas as a tourist. Become a worshiper. One way to do that is to consider what this means for the word to become flesh. Let me explain. I don't have the time in all eternity to explain fully what it means for the word to become flesh, but let me just give you some uh, ways of thinking about this. It's written by uh, author Sam Storms. He says, The Word became flesh. God became human. The invisible became visible. The untouchable became touchable. Eternal life experienced temporal death. The transcendent one descended and drew near. The unlimited became limited. The infinite became finite. The immutable became mutable. The unbreakable became fragile. The spirit became matter. Eternity entered time. The independent became dependent. The almighty became weak. The loved became the hated. The exalted was humbled. Glory was subjected to shame. Fame turned into obscurity. From inexpressible joy to tears of unimaginable grief. From a throne to a cross. From ruler to being ruled, from power to weakness. 
can we even comprehend? No. But we can marvel. And we can wonder. And of course, the question we have to ask is why in the world would he do this? Why would the eternal word, the second person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, why would the Son take on flesh? When as we read through that list, we see it's nothing but loss for him. Why would he do that? The author of Hebrews actually answers that for us in chapter 2. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. The reason he did it, the reason he took all that loss upon himself, all the limitation upon himself, is for us. This is why it is good news that will bring great joy for all the people is that today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. A Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. One more picture. That's not the Church of the Nativity anymore. But you may be surprised to hear that's still Bethlehem. That is Bethlehem today. And you see people walking on the streets. You see uh, the walls, of the buildings. And in the background, you see a minaret. The minaret is the tower where five times every day, faithful Muslims are called to prayer. Why is this picture showing up on our Christmas Eve service? I'll tell you why. John tells us in chapter 1, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not out of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. We can approach with humility. We can gather together with those from around the world and we can marvel at the event and ponder the mystery of what it means. And we can rejoice But we can't let it stop there because it's not just good news for us. It is to be good news for the whole world. And those who do not yet recognize, we have the responsibility to share, to let them know what it is that we have seen and heard. The shepherds that heard, we read that then they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to him. That said to them. And then it tells us the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The word becoming flesh. It is good news for us. It is good news for the world. May we ponder it this Christmas. May we wonder and marvel at the greatness of God, who would lower Himself for us.
May we be those who share this news to those who need to hear it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.